Hey guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. Amen. Give God one more big hand of praise. Listen, if you're watching online, I just want to say thank you for tuning in. Many people watch our services both live as well as replays throughout the week. I did want to extend an invitation, though. If you're ever in Texas in the Bryan College Station area, why don't you come out to a New Heights Church service live? I promise me and everybody here will make you feel right at home in Jesus' name. All right, if you have your Bible, open it up to 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 1 in just a minute. But we're in a continuation of our series called Silence the Cynics. And it all centers around one primary question. What would your life look like if you honest to God lived without regard to what people think about you? Now, don't hear it with that, that, that just shallow level of just your brain. I'm talking about in your heart. What would your life look like if you were free from the opinions of other people? What would your life look like if you were free from your own cynical thoughts? What would your life look like if you were free from your own insecurities that were put on you as a child? It were put on you when you were in high school because somebody didn't want you to sit at a certain table and, and it just plays in your head like a boomerang. What would your life look like if you were free from the fact that you were, uh, that a relationship or maybe multiple relationships didn't work out like you thought and you ended up being divorced one, two, three, ten times? What if you got those thoughts and you scratched them and you got out of your head and you began to believe what God says about you, that you're a son or a daughter of the Most High God? What would your life really look like? Now, I'm not talking about living without care to what people think and deciding you're just going to, you know, be rude all the time and put your feet on the table and lose your manners or, or any of that nonsense. And I'm certainly not thinking, I'm not talking about uh, living in sin and, and, and literally tramping, trampling the blood of Jesus under your feet. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about. I'm talking about taking insecurities off the table. Because when God thinks about you, he doesn't think about you based off of your successes. He thinks about you based off of your birthright. Somebody say birthright. This picture right here, uh, my my youngest daughter finger painted it a couple of weeks ago. And if you can't tell, this thing in the middle that is yellow with red hair and a red dress is me for some reason. But her finger paint is not on my refrigerator because it's better than your children's finger paint. Her finger paint is on my refrigerator because she is born in my house. Your child's finger paint belongs on your refrigerator because they are born in your home. If you ask me why I love my children, it's not because of their successes. I don't stop loving them when they miss the mark. I love them because they are born to me. When it comes to the things of God, God does not love you based off of what you've done right. He does not stop loving you because of what you have done wrong. As a matter of fact, saved or unsaved, 
Saved meaning you are on your way to heaven. You know the Lord Jesus Christ. You've accepted the sacrifice he's made and the power of his resurrection. You have been reborn and you are a Christian. That is what we would call saved. Everybody say saved. Unsaved would be exactly the opposite. Somebody who has not accepted Jesus or is contrary to the Lord himself. Somebody that is against God or has not accepted that sacrifice. Whether you are saved or unsaved, God still loves you. As a matter of fact, it is, it is his love that draws you to him. Now, the reality is, though, in order to access the kingdom of heaven, you're going to have to be born again. You're going to have to accept the Lord Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that, you're supposed, that you have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And if you'll do that, you will be saved. Somebody say saved. So what happens is there's two things going on. Number one, you're confessing the Lord Jesus and you are believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And when this takes place, now you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. There's two things happening. Number one, you're saying it. Number two, you're believing it. Can everybody see that in the Bible? So when you receive from God or you walk with the things of God, you can't just say one thing and believe another. You can't just believe one thing and say something else. You're going to have to get what comes out of your mouth congruent with what you're believing. And you're going to have to get both of those incongruent with what the Bible says about you. And the minute you do, insecurities are off the table. You're no longer what you think about you. You're no longer what other people think or don't think about you. You're no longer a, a, a puppet to be kicked around by cynical thoughts or insecurities. You're literally the summation of what God says you are. And God says you are an heir and a joint heir with Christ Jesus. I'm talking about literally living free. Here, here's a few practical examples. Walking into a business meeting... Without regard to what people think about you. Well, what will they think if I say this? What will they think if I say that? Who cares what they think? Walking into school and asking the question you need the answer to it without regard to what your classmates will think about you. Oh, if I ask that question, will they think I'm dumb? If I ask that question, will they think I'm a teacher's pet? Who cares what they think? Here's another one. You are not your waist size. Nobody cares that you had to try on three shirts this morning before you found one that fit. You're the only one that knows that that happens. Stop walking around like everybody was in your closet going, oh, good job, fatso. You're not what you weigh. You're not what you don't weigh. You're not your successes and you are not your failures. You are God's child and he loves you and he cares for you and he's not going to leave you. Somebody ought to be clapping in the house of God. He is crazy about you. So we're going to get rid of those cynical thoughts. We're going to get rid of those ideas because what we're not going to do is we're not going to do the devil's job. The Bible says he is the accuser of the brethren. He's constantly throwing railing accusations about you, but you have an advocate, the Bible says, with the Father, the Lord Christ Jesus, who is constantly making intercession for you and for me. Somebody say amen to that. 
All right, 2 Samuel chapter 9. We're talking about silencing the cynics, especially those in our own head. We want to know what our life would really look like if we lived without regard to what people think. 2 Samuel chapter 9 verse 1 says, David said, is there any that is left of the house of Saul that I might show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? So David's sitting on his throne. King David is now king of Israel. This is the guy that killed the giant named Goliath with a slingshot. But that happened years before this. Now King David is king of Israel. And he's sitting there. And and what's going on is the Bible says that David is a man after God's own heart. David's heart and God's heart are similar. you You can see a lot of the types and shadows of what God is like in David's life. And the scripture says that he's sitting there and he says, I wish there was somebody out of the house of Saul that I could bless for Jonathan's sake. Now to understand what's being said here, we need a little bit of history. Saul was the previous king before David. David was anointed to be king and for years Saul remained king. Saul turned on David, even though David used to work for Saul and Saul tried to kill David over and over and over again. David had plenty of opportunities to kill Saul, but he refused to because he said, you're not supposed to touch God's anointed and you're not supposed to do God's prophets any harm. So he refused to touch a hair on Saul's head. He wouldn't hurt Saul. Saul had a son named Jonathan. Everybody say Jonathan. Jonathan's an interesting guy because him and David became best friends. And he saw that his dad had turned on David and he was just totally, uh, uh, he was totally against what was happening. But Saul was trying to kill David. Jonathan was David's best friend. And the whole thing was playing out like an Old Testament soap opera. And what happened is, is there was a great battle that took place. And in the battle, both Saul and Jonathan were killed. Well, when this took place, now David became the rightful uh, king of, uh, of Israel. And when he was the king of Israel, he's sitting there. Now, this is a man after God's own heart. He's sitting there and he's thinking about, man, I wish there was somebody that I could bless out of the house or the lineage of Saul because of my relationship with Saul's son. Doesn't that sound familiar? I believe God himself is sitting on heaven's throne right now saying, I wish there was somebody in my house that I could bless because of my relationship with my own son. He is thinking about you even now, thinking over you, longing to bless you, longing to help you, longing to protect you. And that's exactly what David is doing in this situation. He said, I wish there was just somebody out of the house of Saul that I could bless for Jonathan's sake. Verse two, he says, now out of the house of Saul, a servant whose name was Ziba came and he called unto David and the king said to him, said, are you Ziba? He said, he said, your servant is he, I'm Ziba. And the king said, is there any out of Saul's house? Is there any out of the lineage that I might show kindness, uh, the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan has a son, which is lame in his feet. Did you know every time the enemy thinks about you and talks about you, he's pointing out your failures. Every time the enemy thinks about you and talks about you, he's accusing you of something. He's talking about all of your issues. He's talking about, oh, you shouldn't let them into heaven. You shouldn't bless them, God. They cussed in traffic last week. You shouldn't do this for them, God. 10 years ago, they did this. But did you know you have an advocate with the father? 
When you go to heaven, you're not going to heaven on your own account. You're not going to heaven on your own accord. You're going to make it into heaven's beautiful, glorious city based off the blood of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ alone. Can we give God a big hand of praise for that powerful sacrifice? So he says to him, he says, there's one, but he's lame in his feet. Now I find this very interesting and what happened to the little boy or when the guy was a little boy, when Saul and David were killed, the handmaid that was taking care of this guy, which was Jonathan's son, his name is Mephibosheth. We'll read it in a minute. But what happened is when Jonathan and and Saul were killed, the, the nursemaid picked the boy up and took off running away because what would typically happen in the lineage of a king is they would kill everybody down line to try to stop there from being an attempt at an overthrow later. And while she was running, the Bible says that she dropped the boy. And when she dropped him, it injured his legs and he never walked again. Maybe that's you today. Maybe years ago, somebody dropped you. Maybe a relationship that you just knew was going to work out and you did everything you knew to do, but they dropped you and it injured you. Or maybe you're still walking upright. Maybe it's one of those injuries we can't see. Because the injuries we can see, they affect us, but the ones that we can't see, those are the ones that absolutely penalize our future. Because if you were to break your wrist... I pray you don't, but if you did and you walked in here with a cast, everybody in this church would walk up to you and say, oh my goodness, what happened? And you would say, well, I was chasing this cat and the cat ran under my legs and I fell down and wouldn't you know it, I broke my wrist and now I got to wear this cast for six weeks, but hey, will you sign my cast and you'll write some scripture on there about healing and you'll tell them I'll pray for you. But the truth is, we're all walking around with the stuff that you can't see. Some of it's up here. And the real rough stuff is in here. And we walk around wounded. We walk around hurting. And the truth of it is, maybe it's from some bad decisions. Maybe it's because somebody hurt you. Or maybe they just dropped you. We have to turn, drop the ball. Oh, they dropped the ball on that seat. The lady was not carrying the boy away because she wanted him hurt. Something just happened. It's time to stop paying as much attention to the rear view as we've been paying because you've got a windshield this big and a rear view this big for a reason. You've got to be looking forward because if you're constantly dissecting, well, why did that happen? Why did they say this to me? Why did they not say this to me? What did they think when I walk in? How come they didn't talk to me? How come they didn't say hello? Number one, they're not even thinking about you. Those are those lying, insecure, cynical, barbed thoughts that show up when we least expect it. And as soon as they're gone, they start to come back like a boomerang. He said, he said, there's one, but he's lame in his feet. And the scripture says, King looked at him and said, what? He said, there's somebody alive out of the house and the lineage of Saul. He said, where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, behold, he's in the house of Machir, the son of Amuel in Lodibar. Everybody say Lodibar. 
It's an interesting word. It literally means like barren or pastureless. So you've got this guy who's lame in his feet and he's living in a barren land and he has no idea that the king is looking for him. Isn't it interesting? Ziba came and the first thing Ziba said is he pointed out all of the insecurities and faults of the young man. Isn't it also interesting that David, a man after God's own heart, completely ignored them? God is not ignorant to your weaknesses. He actually said, wherever you're weak, I will show myself strong. The devil is afraid to call you by name. That's why he points out all your faults. But God just wants to know, where are you? I'm on the way. He said, where is he? He said, he said, oh, he's out in Lodibar. It's almost like Ziba is trying to negotiate against this young man. He goes, well, there is one king, but you know what? You wouldn't want him. He's lame in his feet. Well, where is he? He's out in some barren wasteland. You know, he's probably worthless. We got all these people right here. Surely there's somebody, and I'll bet you he's pointing to himself in his head. Surely there's somebody you could bless. He said, matter of fact, don't you know, I used to work for Saul. Uh, let me just say this. We are servants of God by choice, but there is a very big difference between a servant and a son. When you're an heir, you're an heir. The Bible says that Ziba was pointing out all of Mephibosheth. That's his name's fault. And King David said, said this, he, he, King David sent verse five and fetched him. Everybody say fetch. So the Bible says that, that if, if Jesus, the good shepherd had a hundred sheep, and one of the sheep were to go astray, he would leave the 99 sheep and go after the one sheep. In other words, he would go fetch him. As soon as he found out that one of his own, one out of the house of Saul, was far away from the palace, he said, go get him, and I mean right now. He said, go all the way to Lodibar, verse six. And when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, behold your servant. David said unto him, fear not. Everybody say, fear not. Every time God speaks to you, almost every time in the Bible, he's going to encourage you to not be afraid. Not because you won't have the opportunity to be afraid, but because he's stronger than all your fears. God is not equipping you to lose you. He did not save you to kick you out of heaven. He did not call you to him because he doesn't want you near him. The Bible says, David said to him, fear not. And he said, I'm about to show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. And I will restore. Somebody say restore. I will restore all the land of Saul. All the land of Saul, your father, that you shall, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. See, restoration is a powerful thing. Because restoration, it doesn't just come from what you have missed. It also comes from the inheritance that you don't even know is, it was missed above you. 
Some of you, you have some family members that serve God and the restoration of what they serve God for didn't fully manifest in their life, but it's about to hit your generation in the name of Jesus. Some of you had a praying grandmother, a praying grandfather, a praying aunt, and nobody took up that mantle. Well, I decree and declare in the name of Jesus Christ, there's a restoration that's going to come and nobody's going to be able to understand it and nobody's going to be able to explain it. But bottom line is when restoration hits your house, it may be, it may be decades. It may be 10 generations back, but God, the Bible says, is not a man that he should lie. Vengeance belongs to him. Some of you are about to walk in a level of blessing that you Your family never got to experience this side of heaven. The Bible says Mephibosheth comes in. He falls on his face and did reverence. And he said, behold your servant. And David said unto him, don't be afraid when you come into me. In other words, it's almost like God, whenever God says to you and me, he says, don't come in here like that. Walk boldly into the throne of grace. The reason you can walk boldly is not because you got it right. The reason you can walk boldly is because of your birthright. Somebody say birthright. My kids walk into my house. My kids have a key to my house if they need a key to my house. My kids can walk into the cupboard. They walk into the to the pantry. They can do everything they want. They can eat anything in the house because they have a birthright. Everything that I have belongs to them. And anybody that tries to come in a different way, the Bible says a thief and a liar. That's why it is so important that you and me understand the birthright. And when we understand the birthright, now we can actually start understanding the benefits because it was not what you did that got you in the family of God. It is what Jesus did that got you in the family of God. There's a shift that takes place. Somebody say shift. The Bible says that he sat there. He said, behold your servant. David said, don't be afraid. He said, I'm about to show kindness to you, not just for your sake, but for Jonathan's sake. And I'm about to restore everything. And the Bible says that verse eight, he said that Mephibosheth bowed himself and said, what is this? What is your servant? Why, why should you look at me? I'm just like a, I'm just like a dead dog. Now hold the phone. Mephibosheth thinks he's a dog and the man after God's own heart is restoring everything to him. I think it's about time we start believing what God actually said about us and silence the cynics in our own head. You are not what you think. You're not what anybody else thinks. You're what God says you are. And he said you are his child. He says you're an heir and a joint heir. When he speaks, nobody can argue it. It's a shift. Somebody say shift. He said, he said, I'm just, a, I'm just an old dead dog. Why are you looking at me like that? And the king called to Ziba. Now Ziba's an interesting guy. Ziba was Saul's servant. And he said unto the, the servant, he said, he said, I've given unto your master's son, that's Mephibosheth, everything that pertained to Saul and his house. I've given Mephibosheth everything. I have restored to Mephibosheth every single that Saul and Jonathan had. Verse 10, you, Ziba, and your sons and your servants, you will till the land for him that shall bring, and you shall bring in the fruits that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. And Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. All right, let's just get a picture of this, okay? Mephibosheth is, is, is beat down, busted, and disgusted, living out in a barren wasteland. It's just another day. He wakes up, 
pulls himself over to the, to the well, gets him a drink of water. Uh, a tumbleweed goes by. There's another dust storm coming. There's a, there's some grasshoppers showing up. He's thinking, oh man, the locusts are about to destroy the, the food again, our, our crops again, everything's rough. And then all of a sudden here rides up a representative of the king. He said, are you Mephibosheth? He said, who's asking? Probably had an attitude. You know why he had an attitude? He'd been dropped. You know why people have an attitude when they talk to you? They've been dropped. Won't you give somebody a break? He said, who's asking? The king. He said, oh my God. I knew this day would come. They always kill Everybody in the lineage, they always do. I knew this day would come. Get it over with. He said, no, 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 no. He wants to see you. What do you mean he wants to see me? He wants to see you. What does he want to do? Hey, you're going to have to take that up with him. What I know is he said, get in this chariot. They put Mephibosheth in the chariot. Mephibosheth comes. They bring him. They're helping him into the, into the king, into the palace, in the presence of King David. And he falls on his face. Isn't it interesting that it says he couldn't walk, but then it says he got on his face. At, at least he was doing what he could do. The Bible says that David looked at him and he said to him, he goes, he goes, hey, Mephibosheth, everything's about to change for you. He goes, no, no, no. He said, why are you looking at me like a dead dog? And, and David never answered Ziba when Ziba talked about Mephibosheth's lame feet and he never answered Mephibosheth when Mephibosheth talked about himself like a dog. God is not interested in what everybody says about you. He's interested in what he said about you. He sat there, Mephibosheth falls on his face. He says, he's, man, why are you messing with me? He said, I'm just a dead dog. He said, I can't believe you'd even talk to me like this. He said, you, you know what? He said, he said, Mephibosheth, I'm going to get to you in a minute. I'll be honest with you. I'm just getting started blessing you. He said, Ziba, get back in here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And he's thinking now that he's seen how lame and how weak the, 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 the descendant from Jonathan's house is. Surely I stand upright. I'm a servant. I've done all these different things. I've taken care of everything. Surely. Yes. Are you ready? You know, now that you know, you don't want that guy from Lodi bar. He said, what, what would you like, Lord? What would you like, King? What would you like? He said, Ziba, let me tell you what you, your sons and your servants about to do. Everything that this boy's daddy owned. He owns everything that this boy's grandpa owns. He owns. And guess what else, Ziba? You're going to work the field. Your son's going to work the field. Your servant's going to work the field. And this boy's going to get picked up, cleaned up. And he's going to eat at my table until Jesus himself comes and rescues a lost and dying world. See, you got to get the right picture. He's not calling you. To hurt you. He's calling you to heal you. He's not calling you. To remind you of your weaknesses. He's calling you. To show his strength. Mephibosheth never. Could have gotten all that restoration on his own. But better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your courts. 
He'd spent thousands in Lodibar, then thousands elsewhere. See, when you get in the presence of the king, you realize he's not paying attention to your insecurities. He's paying attention to your birthright. Who can I bless out of the house of Saul? Who can I bless because of Jonathan? God's going, who can I bless because of my son, Jesus? Oh, but you have an accuser. Yeah, there's Brian. He's done this wrong and that wrong. And and he's got all these other things going. And, And God's sitting there going, that's my son. What are you talking about? He said, Ziba, you're going to work the land. But this guy, he's going to eat with me. See, when, when, when you go to heaven, God's going to say this to you. And he's going to remind it to you. When you get close to the throne, you, you might start to hesitate a little bit. And, and see, the word of God will never pass away. And what's going to happen is somebody's going to remind you. No, 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 no. Go on in there boldly. You're a son or a daughter. But, but all the angels are at attention. I understand that. But you're his child. Walk on in. Your dad's not trying to keep you away. Your dad's trying to draw you closer. He said, oh, but he's, he's lame in his feet. He's living out in a barren land. He said, he said, he said, he's far from the things of God. Let me just tell you something. God is really good at rescuing prodigals. He goes for them. And the great rescue is still yet to happen. We don't talk about it as much as we used to. When when I was a kid in church, it was like every single Sunday we talked about the Lord coming back. One of the reasons that we talked about it so much is because it creates some urgency. Because you might have some friends and family that don't know the Lord. And if you really thought that no man knows the day nor the hour and that he's going to come like a thief in the night and nobody knows when it could happen, it could happen tomorrow, you would actually witness to your friends and family so they don't go to hell for all eternity. But there's a great rescue coming. As soon as David, a man after God's own heart, heard about the one from the house of Jonathan that was missing, he said, fetch him. Catch him away. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. The great rescue. Everybody say rescue. See, it hasn't happened yet. What could happen tomorrow? It could happen tonight. It could happen before I'm done preaching. And if you don't know the Lord, please finish my sermon if I leave. <laughs> the scripture says, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15. God will be sitting there. And see, I work with several uh, young men and women. I mentor some younger ministers and our staff and some of our leaders. And I, I say the same thing to all of them in this regard. I want you to empower people. I want you to pull the best out of them. I want you to work as a team. But I also say this, there's some things only you can do. An example, like I can't outsource my prayer life. I can't like ask somebody to pray for me for an hour and act like it's gonna help me preach. Like my prayer life, you know what I'm saying? I can't say, hey, can you study the Bible for me for an hour? Thanks very much. Have a nice day. It doesn't work that way. There's certain things you got to do. There's certain things that you have to take responsibility for. 
Some of them are because, is because only you can do it. But some of them is because you want to. Like with my kids. There are certain things that, you know, we let people teach them. We ask people to teach them. We pay people to teach them. We have great teachers in their life. All that kind of stuff. But there's some things I'm teaching them. Why? Because I want to. I want to do that. There's certain things that Jesus really wants to do. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse number 15, the great rescue, the Lord himself, somebody say himself, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. That's one of the reasons we shout so much around here. We're practicing. I dare you right now to clap your hands in the house of God. Somebody open your mouth and give God a shout. Hey! For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we That's what David did. He said, he said, there is one, but he's lame in his feet. Where is he? You should have brought him to me. If you were really his servant, you would have already presented him to me. You know my heart. This isn't the first time I've mentioned my relationship with Jonathan, Saul's son. Why didn't you bring him? It's because you were trying to steal something that cannot be stolen. You can't steal a birthright. You can give it up. (laughs) You can sell it. But it can't be stolen. Somebody say it's mine. When you get born again, you're in the family of God. And the players that you hear in your head are either repeating and parroting your failures. The accusers of the brethren. The accuser of the brethren. Or they're reminding you what God says about you. I came to give you hope and a future. I've separated your sins as far from you as the east is from the west. I've thrown them in the sea of forgetfulness. You're an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. All thing, old things have passed away and everything has become new. You are clothed in Christ Jesus. You're new. You're not what you were and you are not what you've done. Well, what happens if I miss the mark? He actually said you would. Oh, we don't try to. There's a big difference between falling and diving in. He said, the righteous, that's you and me. I don't feel righteous. Of course you don't. But he didn't say you'd be righteous based off your own actions. He said you would be righteous because the blood of Jesus makes you clean before God. He said the righteous will fall seven times. But then he said something real powerful. He said, we're going to get back up. I can see David sitting on that throne, walking over to Mephibosheth, covered in all of life's bad decisions and guilt 
and shame and the fact that he was dropped. He didn't even have a say in the matter. He was dropped. I could see him walk over there and pick him up and say, now look here. Ziba's going to go make sure all your land's taken care of because I'm going to give you wells you didn't dig, houses you didn't build. But I want you to know, you got a seat at my table. You are seated with me in heavenly places. Well, what's Ziba going to do? He's going to watch while he goes and works your land. You mean he's going to watch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm preparing a banquet for you in the presence of your enemies. See, you need your adversary. Because when your adversary shows up, you're about to have lunch. He prepares a table for you. In the presence of your enemies. God wants to know. Can you listen to his voice? Or are you going to stay stuck? Are you going to listen to the lies and the deceit and the reminiscent of how you've missed the mark? Or are you just going to accept the fact? Of course I missed it. I repent of it. I turn from it. I'm not going to do it anymore. But if I'm his son and he said I'm free, then doggone it, I'm going to live free. King James says it like this. Whom the son has set free is free indeed. Come on, let's say that together. Whom the son has set free is free indeed. There is a freedom available to you and me that's free from the opinions of others. Free from the cynical thoughts in your head. Free from the insecurities. Free from office politics. When you just start loving people, you'll witness to people you never would witness to when you stop caring what people think. Because one of the things that stops you from witnessing is, well, what will they think if I try to talk to them about the Lord? When you decide you don't care what they think, now you're free to witness. I was witnessing uh, to a couple of people uh, this weekend. One in particular, I was sitting there talking to him, and same thing. It's just all the thoughts come back. It's like, what will he think? And I immediately take the thought. I said, don't care what he thinks. I want him to go to heaven. I'm going to tell you one quick story, then we're going to dismiss. It was a great play. It was done at a youth conference. What they did is they had this picture of these kids, you know, in high school. One was a Christian, one was not. And they're going through life. And it just kind of shows them going through their, their normal day at school. And the Christian is constantly urged, you know, to witness to the person that they're friends with. And to share about Jesus with them. And every time it just was difficult to come up with the conversation. Difficult to steer the conversation in that direction because everybody's wondering, oh, what will they think about? Will they think I'm a Bible thumper? Will they think I'm taking it too far? Did I just say Bible? <laughs> Bible. I said, well, what do they think about me? Do they think I take it too far? And then the, the play, it, it depicts a traffic accident. In the traffic accident, both the kids die, probably 16 years old or so. And instantly, they're in eternity. They're walking together. They say, man, whoa, that was wild. And they show a gate over here towards heaven and some angels around it. And they're walking. They're like, man, whew, that was something else. And they're walking towards the gate. 
And right about the time they get to the gate, all of a sudden, some demons come and they grab the one that didn't know the Lord. They knock the kid down and start dragging the kid towards hell. So the other kid that's a Christian is just standing there making his way towards heaven. Pretty intense, right? Making his way towards heaven. Making his way towards heaven. And, and the two kids are sitting there and they're dragging. And she's got her friend now by the hand. She said, no, no, no. Don't take her. Don't take her. No, no, no. And all of a sudden, she goes, you, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. And the demons are screaming, it's too late. It's too late. It's too late. And all of a sudden, the angels come over and they grab the Christian girl by the hand and said, hey, come on, you need to go. Your family's waiting on you. And they begin to walk towards heaven. And all of a sudden, the little girl getting drugged to hell starts screaming, you knew and you didn't tell me? You knew and you never told me? You're going there and I'm going there because I didn't know Jesus and you never told me? Why didn't you tell me? I didn't know what you would have thought about me if I had shared Jesus. How important would your insecurities be in that moment? There's a place where you have to recognize the first couple weeks I shared on this, it was about your freedom. But you have to realize it's not about you. You've got to get free from the insecurities and the cynics because there are people that will be drugged to an eternity of torment. If you are manipulated by your cynical and insecure thoughts. The Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. Not because we got it right. But because of our birth right. Later on, Mephibosheth. Is shown in beautiful pictures of the Bible, caring for the king and loving the king and waiting for him to come home and fasting when he's gone. Because somebody who is loved much loves much. See, he came and died to set you free. Free from the thoughts, free from the insecurities. And if you'll recognize that opportunity, it won't just benefit you. It will benefit you. You'll, you'll find a freedom that you've never, you may never have experienced. Instead of just saying, I don't care what people think, you actually stop caring in here. Because the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You start going, no, I'm going to be free. And you will be so shocked at how God will use you in that free state to nudge you to witness to people that just need to know how much Jesus loves them. Well, what do I tell them? You tell them about an old rugged cross.
and how Jesus is not dead anymore. Well, well, what? I don't know the Bible that good. That's why he said to use your testimony. I don't have that big a testimony. The devil is a liar. The fact that you know Jesus is enough. You don't have to tell them everything God did for Pastor Brian. You tell them what God did for you. And he'll, he'll move in their life just like he did in yours. Most of the time, the gospel doesn't need to be explained as often as it needs to be unloosed. It's the power of God unto salvation. You remember the Apostle Paul, greatest apostle that ever lived? Wrote about 13 books of the Bible, which is approximately 13 more than Jake wrote. He said, I'm not going to come to you with a bunch of elegant speech. I just want you to know Christ and Him crucified. Because if you can understand the cross by faith, you can be born again. And once you're born into the family of God, now you have access. And when you have access, now all of a sudden, no accuser, no enemy, and no devil in hell can stop you from getting to your Father. Can we give God a big hand of praise this morning? Let's all stand to our feet. I'm going to take just a moment with the Lord this morning. Everybody under the sound of my voice, just think on the Lord for a moment. See yourself coming to him and him accepting you. Not because you've gotten it, gotten everything right, but because Jesus did. See him picking you up off the ground. See him restoring you. Because when you know you're loved, when you know you're loved, you're free to love others. You're free to forgive others. Oh, well, they did this and that to me. Of course they did. They're a half-baked cake. You'll have to check my sermon out from last week. They were dropped too. Everybody around you is a work in progress of some kind. But God is sitting there saying, who can I bless because of my son? He said, I'm going to give you wells you didn't dig. I'm going to give you houses you didn't build. And you're going to eat at my table forever. Those who, are, those who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet them in the clouds. And there forever will be. his presence now. I encourage you to lift your hands. Oftentimes it helps just keep your eyes closed. Same thing, just think on him. Let him do that spiritual surgery for a moment. We could see it if your wrist was broken, but what about those 
places that are broken inside. Only God can fix that. Let him have it today. Let, let him call you his son. Let him call you his daughter. Let him repair those issues. do this every service, but we're going to do it this morning. If you're here today and your heart's heavy, you feel like a Mephibosheth. You spent more time remembering your infirmities than you'd like to really admit. You, you feel like access has been restricted. Sometimes we just need to take a step of faith and let God get in our steps. But if you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor, my heart has been harmed. Maybe you were dropped. Maybe somebody let you down. Maybe it's a loved one, an uncle, a father, a mother, an ex-husband, an ex-wife. Maybe you put some crazy restrictions on yourself and you let yourself down. God is here today and he's calling you his own. And I believe in the name of Jesus, today is the first day of your freedom. Free from those cynical thoughts, those insecurities. But a lot of times it starts with a step of faith. And for everybody who'd like to take a bold step of faith today, I'm going to pray with you. I'd love to pray a special prayer over you. The Bible says, the prayer of the righteous availeth much. Anything we can touch and agree on, the Bible says we can have it. One puts a thousand a flight. The Bible says two put 10,000 a flight. Whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever we loose is loosed. So in a moment like this, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. I believe in God that he's going to destroy that yoke of cynicism and insecurity off of your life, off of your mind. And your heart will be set free. So if that's you and you say, Pastor, I want to be included in that prayer. In just a second, I want you to come right here to the front and meet me right here and I'm going to pray over you. He said, what will people think? Didn't we cover that? <laughs> Who cares what people think? Well, what if they think? Who cares what they think? I'm just talking about getting free. Like real, honest to God. I think you can feel how free I am, even in this moment. I'm talking about honest to God freedom. If that's you and you say, Pastor, I want to be included in that. Just lift your hand right now, right where you're at. Lord, you see these hands. Would you meet us at this altar? Come out of your chair now. Meet me right here if you'd like to be prayed for. Matthew, sing something. Be holy, be holy, be holy, be holy. 
everybody in the front just lift your hands. Worship the Lord. It's an easy song. that's up here at the front, I just want you to know I'm proud of you. Proud of you taking a step of faith. Today is the first day of a new level of freedom in your life where God has called you unto himself. The Bible says nobody can come to God unless the Holy Spirit draws them. God has called you to himself. And I'm going to speak a blessing over you, a powerful blessing. I'm going to speak a blessing that literally can set you free Because whatever we say, that's what we'll actually see. So what I want you to do is for the rest of your life, I want you to begin to talk about yourself like God talks about you. Not arrogant, not haughty, not looking down on anybody else. But if he says we're his kids, who are we to argue? Come on, somebody say amen to that. But every person up here at the front, just lift your hands to heaven. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, I speak the blessing and favor of God over every person here. I decree and declare a new level of freedom even now in Jesus' name. I declare a new level of freedom. We are not what we have thought and we are not what other people have said about us, but we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I speak and declare the blessing and favor of God over every person. And I call every plan of the enemy cease to see, I call it to cease and to stop in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I say that every voice that rises up against us will be brought to naught, but we are going to live free from those cynical and insecure thoughts in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, every person at the front, I want you to say this after me. Say, I declare a new level of freedom. In my life, I am not what I have done. I am not what I have not done. I'm what God says I am. He says I'm his child. I have a birthright. I'm part of the kingdom of heaven in Jesus' name. Now give God a hand of praise like you believe it. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Listen. I'm so proud of you. Don't listen to anything the devil says about you. Don't listen to those cynical thoughts. You find a way to remind yourself what God says about you. Because this morning is the first day of a new level of freedom in your life. Can we give God a big hand of praise? You guys go back to your seat for just a second.
So proud of you. Keep clapping for him, church. Takes a lot to take a step of faith. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's stir up a little bit. Sing that out, church. today. If you did, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, follow us on social media. That is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.